1: Purple Insider Matthew Collar here. And joining me from the Star Tribune, Andrew Kramer returns to the show. Andrew, you have to be ready because this is going to be one of the most intense podcast experiences you've ever had. And I mean it. You're laughing, you're smiling at me, but I mean it. This is going to be intense because we just listened to 30 minutes of the general manager and the head coach answer the toughest questions. They gave insight to. They broke down everything for us. They welcomed us into their front office. They pulled back all the curtains and showed us the rest of their offseason plan, including the draft. And now we've only got like 40 minutes to break it down. So let's go.
0: Yeah, let's tell them who they're going to draft at 23 overall. Um, (laughs) I thought you were going to say... um the intensity of this podcast was going to rival Stefan Diggs' Twitter account, which those have been popping up left and right in terms of his cryptic tweets. But yes, we we didn't learn a whole lot. They were noncommittal about a lot of things. Um, I do like Kevin O'Connell's candor when he talks about evaluating quarterbacks. If you read between the lines on some of those comments, we can get to quite a bit on that front. But Yeah, with all the questions we have about, hey, how are you building this engine in this plane while it's still flying? What's going to happen with Zedarius? Is Dalvin Cook going to get thrown out of the plane? They're just like, yeah, we'll
1: we'll see. We're not sure yet. Okay, but you know... I, I, of course I'm kidding because the goal of every pre-draft press conference from every general manager and head coach is to not really give away your cards and why would you want to show the rest of the league what your plan is when you're 23rd and there's a lot that's going to happen before you so you don't want to be saying publicly too loud well we really want to trade down because that maybe hurts your leverage or whatever there's like or hey we really want Hendon hooker he's our guy I mean you just don't see that very very often for a reason. Sometimes somebody spills the beans on something, but I do think, and, and this is, this maybe it's trying too hard, but you could tell me, I think that non-committal on stuff is the headline. Like non-committal on Zedaria Smith actually showing up for workouts and being a part of this team. And when da Adafalmenta is asked about Delvin Cook and Alexander Madison, and if they could coexist, he says, theoretically, they could coexist in the backfield. Like, Uh, what they've played together for four years and they are currently both under contract. So why would that be theoretical unless, and look, it's not something we don't already know, but I think if they were looking to dispel the idea that those two guys aren't going to be here, that they did not do that in any way. And were also very like, They were asked directly, did Delvin Cook tell you he was going to get surgery? And it was, well, I mean, we're very proud of Delvin for his report card this semester. I mean, it was just like, if you wanted to be direct on those answers, there was the opportunity to be there if that was the case. But it was so much like, well, I mean, theoretically, and I think that that is pretty notable.
0: I thought it was interesting that Kevin O'Connell made a, a point to say that it was Dalvin Cook's decision to get surgery. It's kind of I think he said it was fully up to him or something like that, which goes to show, I mean, it was odd timing in the surgery coming right before a decision would have been coming down on whether or not he's getting traded, kept, uh, or, or released, and he gets that injury guarantee regardless because he's still on this roster. But they've got so much money in this backfield. They kept the backfield the same they, instead – Uh, The only addition they made was increasing Alexander Madison's pay, which means his role is going to go up. Uh, Dalvin Cook only gets a year older. He's set to earn $10, $11 million, which just makes no sense. So where they're at right now, that non-committalness it screams the quiet part of where we're at, of, hey, we're going to move these guys. We're looking to move these guys. And it, it seems to be just a matter of time. And the only way I see Dalvin Cook, for instance, staying on this roster is if he somehow accepts a lower number uh, um, to make it work with him and Alexander truly as a one-two tandem, which last year they just weren't. This has been Dalvin Cook's backfield. If they're truly going to make it that way with Alexander seemingly getting more run here, uh,
1: it's going to be either with a lesser Dalvin Cook or without him at all. So when does something have to happen in your mind? Does it have to happen on draft night? Like, It does seem like people make trades on draft night. That yep. used to not happen a whole lot with players. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden we started seeing A.J. Brown and Hollywood Brown and, uh, you know, Charlie Brown, like any anybody who was available last year at the draft was actually getting traded on draft night, which was very unique. At the same time, it's not going to be draft night number one for Delvin Cook or zadarius Smith. Those guys are not getting first-round draft picks. Uh, Daniil Hunter, I can't say that he like for sure won't be a part of that conversation, but they get hit pretty hard when it comes to the, the dead cap if they were to trade him on draft night. Does it happen then? Does it happen later this offseason? Is there a situation where they just have to draw an end date of like, we have to cut you because we have to sign our draft picks? Like How does this play out, you think?
0: Yeah, they I mean the next thing they're going to need money for is is the draft picks as you talk about. It's going to be 2 to 3 million bucks to get them under the offseason rules. Uh, you don't need a whole lot to do that. You could extend TJ Hawkinson and we could be sitting here in training camp and they could have this exact roster. And we could still be saying this doesn't make sense. What are you doing with Zadarius? How do you have three starters for two spots with Marcus Davenport and Daniel um, as it drags on though, I, I do wonder they've wanted to extend Daniel Hunter for some time and they have not been able to do it ever since Quasey got hired here. He's talked about wanting to keep that guy make him a priority. Um, did this past year in a three, four, tell you anything you didn't know about him and how he fits this kind of system? Uh, cause they clearly haven't reached that point where they've been able to extend him. So the longer this drags on, the more I wonder about him. And if that extension doesn't get reached, does he become the solution of moving him and then just keeping Zedarius and Marcus Davenport um, for the 2023 season and and the edge rusher part, but with the money, man, they can keep moving these rocks, and they can keep flipping things over, and they can keep finagling it to just kind of barely be over that line because there isn't one major thing they need to clear cap space for when their biggest additions are going to be Byron Murphy and Marcus Davenport. That's clearly what it's going to be right now because they're going to add through the draft and stuff, but every other free agent addition is going to be a Bashad Breland-level budget type.
1: Can I ask you just like uh, almost sort of to pause the momentum of breaking down a press conference? Just how you feel about the whole thing? Because I do these you know live streams and stuff like that, chat with fans, and the one thing that comes up every time is sort of a disappointment or a malaise. Not that oh you blew the whole you know future of the Vikings with this draft or with this off season, but just oh this was kind of it. You ever um like. When you're a little kid, you go to a theme park or something and you think like, oh my gosh, there's going to be rides and clowns and food and all this stuff. And then, you know, it's just okay. Maybe there's only one ride you like. And you had a good time, but it was not what you were expecting in your mind when you had seen the commercial what, or or a toy what were you, you ho- see the commercial.
0: What were you hoping for?
1: Man? I have a lot of childhood disappointment. <laughs> I was going to say, what were, you, what were you hoping yeah. for? No, but I mean, th- well, think about that though. You see the commercial and yeah. like... You're, you're, the doll is flying and shooting lasers out of his eyes. Then you get it, and he doesn't do anything. And that's kind of this off season.
0: What? I'm not following you here because, all right, <laughs> look, they haven't extended Kirk Cousins. They, they engaged in those contract talks. We've talked about why we're, we're at where we're at with him. I think the drawing the line there, you, you talk about noncommittal being the headline off of this. Them being noncommittal on Kirk is the headline of the offseason. Oh, for sure, yeah. And that is the change that is imminent and on the horizon. And him just flat out not being under contract beyond this year sets that up. That is the excitement that – I. if you're a fan, I guess my message to people who who feel let down by anything is that that kind of change in major changes in organizations, they don't happen with some kind of fanfare and fireworks in March and April – Um, When Patrick Mahomes was traded up for and acquired by the Kansas City Chiefs, nobody was sitting there saying, oh, boy, they just got the next great Tom Brady. Everybody was saying, Alex Smith just won 13 games. What are you doing? This is kind of weird. All right, I guess we'll see where it goes. I'm just saying that these things rarely are – um, blueprinted and mapped out to the point where you can see this grand uh, uh, scale up to the mountaintop. Are they doing it right? I don't know. I have I have just as many questions as the next guy about what exactly is going on with their plan, how are they going to repair this awful defense, who is going to be the successor for Kirk Cousins. But if you're looking for any excitement out of this press conference, it's the fact that Kevin O'Connell was willing to sit up there and say what he's looking for in a successor. They were willing to talk about that in a way that, In the past, they've always kept saying, yeah, you know, we love Kirk. Can't wait to get with Kirk. Now it seems like, no, this, they've clearly drawn a line with him contractually, and they seem to be ready to take that step. And is that step going to be this year or next year? That is going to be the fascinating thing to see.
1: So what I mean is, in the commercial, (laughs) Lamar is there, And, you know, like some big trade up for a quarterback, which it could happen. But yeah. but I think more people leave in the commercial, you know, that they really that they don't give void years out to free agents and they don't do this uh, like competitive rebuild okay. that they just like yeah. everything that's not nailed down. Take it apart and lay the course for your future quarterback, which still could happen, of course, in the draft and go from there. Trade Kirk or something. Like, there was so many possibilities And things have not really come to fruition and there still exists these other subjects that float over our heads of, well, here's other veteran players who are expensive and are they playing for you or not playing for you or what's going on and what's going on with the quarterback. And you're right that, I mean, the most... the most, uh, I think, likely thing to happen is pretty boring, which is play out this year, draft a quarterback in 2024, and that's what I mean. That It's not necessarily that you, the, the toy that you bought was bad. It just wasn't like as maybe exciting as you thought it was going to be, but I totally agree with you. It, the way that they talked about the quarterback, and we could play extreme read between the lines here. In saying like, well, yeah, we would like to have someone developing behind Kirk, but we all need to buy into that person. So is he like, those are the discussions that they're having now. So is he saying that they are all buying into a person or that they would love to draft someone this year, but they really can't because they can't all agree on that person. And this is a draft that has three dudes that everybody seems to agree on and nobody else that has like this consensus. Will Levis, some people think he's going to be a second round pick now Hendon Hooker. I mean, you know, all of a sudden just the other day, he's a first round draft pick. So how are we to know what they're in on? But I think that he was sort of laying it out there of like, yeah, this is this is what we think of that position, which said to me, if the guy was there or is there, we will pick him. That's how it felt to me. It, they were
0: also saying that they don't need the ultimate athletic freak at quarterback, which which I thought was interesting. You know, he, um, Kevin O'Connell's asked straight up, are you looking for more of that mobile? Ju-? The question referenced Justin Fields. And they basically said, look, we're going to – Stand by our philosophy and our X's and O's and how we got here. And that says, look at where Kevin O'Connell's come from, from the Rams to here. They didn't get there by having a Lamar Jackson. They didn't get there by having even an Anthony Richardson, perhaps, out of Florida. Um, it's been more of the accuracy that they talked about, the intelligence. Um, uh, Kevin O'Connell referenced. how they go through progressions, how they uh, process information, how they read with their feet and their eyes, all of those things about how they play the position coming from a former quarterback in Kevin O'Connell, he laid out what he wants. And some of that Kirk does, and it helps explain why they like him. Um, Now, would they like a more mobile Kirk? I'm sure they would. It's not hard to be more mobile than Kirk Cousins. Uh, You and I on some days might be more mobile than Kirk. But I think that that's not going to be – a North star for them. I don't think they're going to sit there and say, we need this kind of quarterback. This is what we're going to go get. And then when you look at the tertiary options in this draft, outside of CJ Stroud and Bryce Young, yeah, it's full of question marks. And especially when you put their trait list of that, they just told us in this press conference, it's even more full of question marks. When you look at those third, fourth and fifth quarterbacks,
1: I think straight line speed Kirk's a lot faster than us. Like (laughs) if you lined it up and we just ran, yeah, yeah. I can make an argument. I'm a little more twitchy. Maybe I'm a little more twitchy.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a phone booth, I might be able to sneak <laughs> by him. You know?
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, and you know what? I will also say this for Kirk. He takes some hits that I would not prefer. Oh to my take. god, <laughs> a yeah. lot
0: of them. <laughs> oh my god, I would be an IR. I'd be in the ICU after week one. I think the, one. the
1: MVP of last season was the rib protector. That thing got hit so many times. And yeah. I mean, he looks like, you know, sort of a transformer sometimes with all the gear he wears, but I mean, that's how he stays in the game. But yeah. yeah. I, I, so when we talk about these quarterbacks though, and you try to figure out like what he's talking about and what might fit Hendon hooker makes more sense in that context. I think than anybody else, because he is a downfield passer. That was his big thing. S- drop it back in the pocket, hitting guys open down the field, like executing the offense. And people criticize his offense. like, well, he can't go back in time and play in another one and show it to you. So, But that required a lot of downfield accuracy. And I think one of the things, and this is not from anything he said, but it would just be a guess, that would frustrate Kevin O'Connell is that Cousins would not push it last year downfield. And I, I remember that there was a narrative that was kind of brewing after a few big throws to Jefferson. And like, oh, he's thrown it into coverage now. The objective measures on that do not bear that out at all.
0: Well, Jefferson was helping to drive that narrative, though, too. Yeah. How many times we stood up there and heard Justin say, Kirk's doing this more?
1: Yeah. And it wasn't objectively true. But I think he was also trying to be like. Do more of this, yeah. you know, like if yeah. you have a hot take on this show, like Andrew's ramping up his hot takes like, right, buddy, you're doing a great <laughs> job. Make it hotter. I think that there was a little bit of like nudge, nudge. Let's say it's fourth and eight, just total scenario I'm making up off my head and the games on the line, maybe push it into coverage. Don't check it down three yards in particular. But, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think that that bared out, though like that he was actually doing that, pushing it down the field. And it will stick in my mind that in, I think it was either minicamp or training camp early on, O'Connell saying something to us about, I want Kirk to hang with his reads a little longer downfield. And I think especially in the first half of the season, that didn't happen really at all. Maybe it did as it went along. But I think the deep pass accuracy is something that's very important here. That does not scream Will Levis to me.
0: No, no, it doesn't. And and Hendon Hooker a good point because when you read about him and, and watch him play, people talk about the intelligence. People talk about the arm, the accuracy, the mobility that he brings too. Um, that's just a plus uh, for his game. Um, I don't see them reaching or or getting or falling in love with a guy like Will Levis, who's more of a trait based. Hey, big arm, uh, kind of Josh Alleny, right? Um, that kind of stuff. I, I don't see them reaching for. Arm strength is never something you've heard them say, this is what we covet. It's always a plus. It helps you unlock other traits, it helps make other traits better, but it does not lift you up as a quarterback. If all you have is a big arm, tons of guys have failed in the NFL with that. And and with Will Levis, that's what you always hear about. He said it himself. He showed up at the combine and he's like, I don't know why all these guys don't want to throw. I'm gonna throw. And well, why? Well, I got a cannon. Well, that's great. I'm sure John Gruden loved that, but he's not in the NFL anymore, and a lot of GMs these days are smart enough to know that, and I don't think – I don't think you're going to see that guy get overdrafted the way that it seems to be, and I certainly don't expect the Vikings uh, to take a swing on him either.
1: Folks, it's almost time for summer, and I've got something to give you a boost. It's called AG1 by Athletic Greens. I'm giving AG1 a try because I generally eat terribly, and I am no good at all at remembering to take vitamins. So I'm trying to get in better shape during the football offseason, and drinking AG1 in the morning to start my day is a simple way to get rolling. It provides a nice boost boost of energy right off the bat so i can get into all the speculation required to report on this team and once you make it a habit it is very easy to stick with ag1 helps with recovery the immune system and just overall nutrition just mix one scoop with water and you are good to go and it costs Less than $3 a day. Almost as good of a deal as signing up for Purple Insider. Look, it's a comprehensive solution to what you need for your supplement routine. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com insider. That's athleticgreens.com insider to check it out today. And I do think that if you're looking for, and all of these guys like this, like all the Shanahan's McVeigh's, they all want someone who can like understand their offense that is not going to go do wild stuff on their own and yep. that's going to make the throws because they believe that it works. And, of course, eventually they got to the end of the road with Jared Goff in that because he's like the the pinnacle. Him and Kirk are both the pinnacle of they will do exactly what you say and exactly nothing more. So they knew that they needed Matt Stafford. But Stafford is just as good at executing the rest of the offense. He just throws the football sometimes while looking in a different direction and does something insane with his arm. But the question, I think, is do you set the bar there, though? Do you set the bar with a Hendon Hooker of like, Well, look, the ceiling's not somebody who's a number one overall draft pick. The ceiling is not a megastar. We all agree that the ceiling on Anthony Richardson is the dudes on the cover of Madden, right? Like this guy could be a Dante Culpepper, like a big superstar uh, quarterback, a Josh Allen. I don't think we think that of Hendon Hooker, but from the perspective of the, the whole rookie quarterback contract thing, like is that that bad if the guy is not like Josh Allen, right? You know what I mean? Like they, they, there's this big balance and then there's this huge cap hit that's going to hit the Vikings next year if Kirk leaves that would ruin a year of your advantage there. So like there's a lot of moving parts of this conversation.
0: Yeah, I would say something, I don't think this would be popular among Vikings fans, but if Kirk Cousins were in this draft and and they kind of, if, if you, they see a guy in this draft that has what they think is the future of a Kirk Cousins or a Jared Goff, as you mentioned, I wouldn't be too shocked to see them pull the trigger on that guy if their intel is telling them that, hey, you're not going to find that guy in 2024 outside of Caleb Williams or whatever. You're not going to find that guy in the future. If they really fall in love with somebody who's not blue chip, who they don't think is like premier, premier... I wouldn't be shocked to see them take that swing, and I don't think that would be them settling for anything. It's the reality of there's only so many of these guys that can operate an NFL offense and succeed. Kirk has already established himself as one of the top 10, 11, 12 guys. That's worth so much in the NFL. Unfortunately for the Vikings, it's worth $35 million a year, and what they don't want to do is have to keep paying that for that. So why not take a guy who at least costs you a lot less for five years of team control, and if he has the ceiling of a Kirk Cousins, that is worth to them so much more at five million dollars, ten million dollars, whatever it's going to be, twenty on a fifth-year option, as opposed to the the money that a veteran's costing you right now, because they're right now trying to turn over a salary cap that had just been mangled, paying ten million dead for Anthony Barr, paying thirteen million dead for a- Adam Thielen right now. They need to turn all that over, and part of that's getting rid of, getting out from under the Kirk Cousins rock. So to answer your question, no, I don't think. They need to be thinking, boy, this is the next Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes to swing for those fences because we just got done hearing Kevin O'Connell say there are many ways to drive a successful offense. We as a coach can find many ways to build around uh, different quarterbacks, and and I think that's why they're going to have kind of an open mindset about these things.
1: They certainly did not pour cold water on the idea. Uh, Now, I will say that last year at the Combine, I remember Kwasita Fulmenta saying, oh, we see a lot of good things in this quarterback class, and clearly that was just GM speak because they didn't pick a quarterback. Although, you know, like Kenny Pickett was there if they wanted to pick him, but I do think it is relevant to talk about that dead cap hit for Kirk and what the restructure has done to this situation, because let's say you draft Hendon Hooker, so you still have Kirk, he plays out the year, you go nine and eight or whatever. And then you say, "All right, Mr. Hooker, this is now your corner." Uh I'm sorry, that was terrible. But uh so awful. <laughs> just awful, that was awful. Just awful. <laughs> um so Hendon Hooker takes over, but there's still this $28 million dead cap because Kirk left. And so you don't get that advantage right there does that matter to you? Cause like, I think for some people it would say it doesn't matter, but and really the third year is when we see the big jump from a lot of quarterbacks, but then Hendon hookers like 39 at that point. like He's old.
0: Look at, look at their cap commitments in 2024. It's not a lot. Mm-hmm. It, it's their blank slate really starts next year and it's going to be eaten up by, you know, an eventual probably Hawkinson extension, Jefferson extension. There's going to be guys you got to add to that, obviously. But what I'm trying to say is if you have any room it really is next year to shove 20 million, what is it, 26 of Kirk's money into next year. I don't think that's that big of a deal. It's the cost of doing business of saying, no, Kirk, we're not going to be beholden to you for another three years, which is what we reported that he wanted, three years fully guaranteed. They didn't want to do that. They want. They were even open to doing two, and he didn't want to do that. He won't, They came to an impasse of the duration. And so the cost of that, of only having one year of him, is saying, all right, fine, we'll do the nuclear option, clear this $20 million, just eat it next year because we can afford it much more than you can this year. Um, how you compete this year with this salary
1: cap and this roster, that's the biggest question I got because they have three corners. So when you come to a, an impasse, I've probably used this example before, but I've always thought, and uh, you and I are married men with uh, no... Uh, thoughts of changing this, and I haven't had many other girlfriends, actually zero other than my wife, so I don't have personal experience on this, but I can imagine this situation. Uh, let's say you're dating somebody and uh, you want to move in together, she doesn't really want to move in together, and you're like staying together, you're going on dates, going to movies, going to the theme park, it's as good as you expect. And yet you keep saying like, but, but don't you just like, don't you just want to move in and like maybe commit to this? She's like, nah, nah, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, shouldn't you just end it right there? Like that would be the trade scenario that gets talked about. Like, shouldn't you just say, what is the point of us continuing to go to the theme park and go on the Ferris wheel and hold hands? If we're never going to move in together, we're never going to get married. We're not going to have a future together.
0: Um, it, all right, why not move on from Kirk right now? Because what if the only reason – the only offer you're getting from him is a third-rounder that you're going to get next year for him leaving anyway? Uh, what if what if you don't love your options right now in this rookie draft class and so you're not even going to start the clock right now anyway? Um, Kirk is a placeholder, obviously. That's, that's where he's at right now in his age and with his t- tenure with the Vikings. Um, it's not going to be awkward because of the relationship him and Kevin O'Connell have. And and I really think this is unique. I think if this were Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman doing this, I wouldn't be shocked if Kirk would have demanded a trade. Um, But right now I don't think Kirk sees a need to get out, and he might not be happy. He probably isn't happy with where this has gone Uh, in terms of him feeling like maybe I, I wouldn't be shocked if he felt like he's earned more than this from the Vikings. But with that said, he's smart enough to know that he can keep going on those dates, and his next suitor is watching. His next suitor is going to keep watching. And the Vikings are saying, you know what? If you do well, good for us, right? We win games, and also good for you. You're going to go get the bag from somebody else. And that's where I think it's going to be fine for the Vikings because, look, they tried they, – they shopped him around a little bit last year. And I, from what I gathered is they weren't enamored with what, what they were getting offered back or even sniffing. So I, I think right now what what's changed that? a 13 win team that not a lot of people believed in. So I guess why hold on to him? It's because right now he's worth more to you on this roster and you might end up getting the return for him next year anyway, as a compensatory pick.
1: So the compensatory pick thing is confusing. Do you get that if you have void years on a contract is unclear to me, right? Oh, I suppose. Yeah. yeah I think if you have void years, I think that that Okay, well, yeah. Yeah,
0: that's a good point. I'd forgotten that they obviously added these void years to his contract. Well, they sure did. Yeah, I totally (laughs) forgot about that. So if you don't get the third rounder compensatory pick, like, whatever. Point is, is that if, if you think that the third round pick that who's a third round pick. I'm not saying that they can't turn into guys. I'm just saying, if you don't think that the, what offer you have on the table for him is worth it. Yes. And stop forgetting that he has a no trade clause. I'm so sick of people thinking, and this isn't you, this is obviously fans who say, well, somebody's going to want to give him the bag right now. Just have him negotiate a contract um, and then trade him for that. And then he'll waive it. Like, no, the, I've heard that Kirk, Loves San Francisco, loves Kyle Shanahan, and I've heard Kirk would be open to getting traded to, to San Francisco. I have not heard that Kirk would be open to getting traded anywhere else. Yeah. I mean, anywhere. Because why? Because he's a year away from picking. Right. Why? Why would he ever? Why would he say, no, I'm going to get rid of another year with Justin Jefferson. I'm going to move on from him and I'm just going to sign right now at the bottom line. No, he'll bet on himself at age 35 with another year of Justin Jefferson and a pass happy offense. Right. This is good for Kirk. If he can parlay this into another big deal, I can absolutely see why Kirk would bet on himself here.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, Kirk is the business hall of famer. Like he knows how him and his agent know how to handle these things brilliantly. And they probably have again, because this offense will be good. And I'll add another thing to it that might sound annoying. And I'm sorry for that, but like, they're going to be playing from behind next year. because they are playing Mahomes and they are playing Burrow and they are the here come the stats like it's just it's just a fact of life like their defense is not going to stop these teams. You're going to be playing in shootouts. The stats are going to pile up. And then when you hit free agency, we see how desperate the Jets are for a broken and strange Aaron Rodgers. I mean, if you put up those numbers, if you win the division again, then you're going to have a, a, I mean, even Alex Smith, like got a second round pick back, I think in a player yeah. in that trade. Like there's always some desperation there, especially if the guy has recently been very good. The San Francisco thing still hovers around for me of like, could that Because San Francisco has just been weird about this the whole offseason. They will not give Trey Lance any credit for existing. In fact, they act like he does not. They trade three first rounds for a guy. He barely plays. And they're like, you know who we love? Barack. I mean, this would be Brock Purdy pulled the case Keenum last year. And I thought he was good, but he only played a couple games. And now they're like Joe Montana Purdy, Steve Young Purdy. I mean, we don't even know if he's Elvis Gerback Purdy at this point. So, like, <laughs> we know he's just better than Jim Druckenmiller. That's all we know. And yet. And Trey Lance right now. They yeah. are. the tra- Right. And he's just basically, to me, the Purdy thing is kind of like, Trey, we'll do it. We will play this little guy from the seventh round. We swear. And that's weird. So after the draft, Kirk becomes more tradable because or not after the draft, after June 1st. I don't know. Like is it dead is it dead to you because I think the Lamar thing is dead after Odell Beckham signed there, but I don't know if the idea is completely like RIP that they could still have a breakup. The Lamar thing
0: never made sense to me and I'll just as a quick aside never made sense to me cuz of one person Justin Jefferson. He needs to be the focal point of your offense. Uh, Lamar Jackson cannot be the focal point if Justin Jefferson is, and they both can't be. That's not how this works. There's one football. So anyway, but with the San Francisco, yeah, like if they get into their OTAs and they go, oh, boy, this Sam Darnold's everything we thought he was, which is not good. And if, they, if Brock Purdy's um, uh, healing is not uh, coming along the way they thought and Trey Lance still isn't progressing the way they thought, sure, why not? It wouldn't be out of the ordinary. It wouldn't be crazy because – Kyle Shanahan knows Kirk. Kirk knows Kyle. They have um, the offenses aren't too dissimilar, and things Kirk has run in the past. So, I, I could see that if San Francisco gets desperate, if they look at their roster and say, "You know what? We're going to cut Darnold and and move forward with Kirk or whatever." Sure, I just think that's the only destination. Yeah. If, if you're holding out for a Kirk trade, I don't think Kirk is going to waive that for anybody else. That's my I'm conject that's conjecture speculation. I, I'm not reporting that, but. I really don't think you were you were hoping uh, on a star if you think that that's going to happen.
1: I've never been able to make it fully work in my brain, but it makes more sense now than it ever did. After this impasse, after it's very clear there's an end date. One thing I would say about Kirk and I and I truly mean this is giving him credit. He does not care like if, yeah. Yeah. if he plays bad on a Sunday night and on Monday ESPN rips him to the ends of the earth, he will go out and play the same way. I'm not saying he doesn't care that they're being mean to him or whatever. I just mean that it won't affect his play. He'll this guy's play seen the same. everything. It's unreal. He's been treated it, every way. His yeah. team in Washington yeah. didn't want to sign him and didn't yep. believe in him. This team here has mm-hmm. done this play at year to year kind of thing. And last year you could tell his frustration. It was the least happy I've ever seen a player to have signed an extension last year when he was like, Yeah, I guess I gotta earn my way to a uh, lifetime, you know, be a lifetime uh, Viking. It's like, Oh, okay, man, you know, you are from the Midwest, aren't you? Uh, but, <laughs> but then he played last year like stefan Diggs skips practice and is like saying there's truth to all rumors and kirk just goes and plays the next game it is remarkable this dude's tunnel vision so you could see him just operating the offense again and whatever and doing his thing but the feeling that i'm left with is for like us for narrative purposes for also big picture for hey we could get hit by a meteor next year Uh, like What what's the point though? Like, why are we still on this merry ground with this girl we're not going to marry? Like, I just keep coming back to this. What is next year? What is next year? Just
0: awkward. It's Kevin O'Connell's job to win games, Matt. You're asking why is are they not tanking like um like the like the Bears? Why are they not why are they not ripping everything out of the studs? And Kirk is obviously the biggest piece of furniture to rip out and throw away. on, I I totally get it. I totally get what you're saying, but it is Kevin O'Connell's job to win games, and they need a quarterback to do that. And right now at what Kirk is costing them. They obviously don't love it, which is why they're not giving him more. It's just a matter of what is it if it's not him. And clearly he's the best option according to them.
1: Um, so I wanted to ask about something else. It's just less intense than this quarterback <laughs> conversation. Now you're short. You're not obscene. Fairly. You're not obscenely short. Like, okay, don't get defensive. Yeah, like five, eight. Maybe. Okay. You're or, like a, yeah. you're just normal. All right. Yeah. So I look down upon all of you tiny people that are smaller than me. But uh, no, how do you feel about receivers that are your height? Normally, (laughs) normally in your life as a reporter, even Stefan Diggs would have looked down at you when interviewing him. And of course, Justin Jefferson's pretty tall. Uh, You know, receiver, there's a lot of them in this draft. And when Quasi adafo was asked about the small receivers, he basically said, I have no idea.
0: Yeah, I thought that was funny. He said, like, we've asked the same questions ourselves. We don't know if it's noise or if it's an actual trend in terms of Zay Flowers being 5'9", Josh Downs being 5'9", Jordan Addison also being 170 pounds and 5'10", or whatever. Um, You know, I don't think it's that big of a deal um, when it comes to the complementary pieces the Vikings are looking for. I think they're very fine adding a short wide receiver but i don't think that receiver is going to be a first round pick
1: mm.
0: i don't think i don't think and all the analytical models and trends and you know he knows obviously eons more than either of us do about what the trends are in the nfl and what says what works but i don't think drafting a number two receiver or somebody who's not capable of being a number one in the first round is good team building and maybe it is in in a pass happy league with the right offense maybe this is all of those things um, but I would be shocked to see the Vikings add a receiver in the first round, in particular because of the the height thing that you're talking about. Uh, Quinton Johnston is, like, the biggest guy, but he can't catch the football, and so that seems like it's problematic. The, this wide receiver class does not seem to be as well-reviewed by the people who would know such things uh, as ones in the past. So I, if I'm the Vikings, I yeah, I wouldn't be shocked to see them take – A receiver, but I don't think it's going to be one of those top
1: guys. See, I think that there's a really good analytical case to take a receiver anyway, which is this, that absolutely if you take... Well, we assume. I shouldn't say absolutely. We assume if you take Jordan Addison, he does not become a number one caliber wide receiver. That he's not your Chris Carter to Randy Moss. Or Antonio Brown or whatever, yeah. However... Do we really know? Because the fifth wide receiver in 2020 was Justin Jefferson, and he is better than all of the other wide receivers. He's
0: also six foot and has arms as long as DeAndre Hopkins.
1: No, I under, I understand that. Yeah. And there are some receivers in this class that yeah. are not like small people. So, yeah. you know, there are some. Yep. But yep. Even, let's even say, though, that the prognostications are correct, of which, meh, sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. But let's even say. So I th- I wouldn't take the ceiling off just because the guy's not the right size. I, that's what I would say, uh, that maybe it could be better than what the draft community thinks it's going to be. I would also say that someone who is given the opportunity to never have a double team ever in their life has more opportunity than someone who has to be a number one wide receiver that isn't capable of that. So Kelvin Ridley looks pretty good next to Julio Jones, right? Calvin Ridley's a number two, but he looks like a beast when Julio Jones is on the other side. I also think that if you want a free agent wide receiver, look at what Adam Thielen got. Adam Thielen got paid a lot to be a secondary level wide receiver. And if you draft one, you only have to pay the guy two million bucks or whatever, as opposed to, oh, we're going to go overpay Adam Thielen, Jacoby Myers, Odell Beckham. I think that there is an economics case, and this is why I have kind of thought maybe they'll do this to take a wide receiver. But I also think that based on this group, trading down is probably the way to do it.
0: Yeah, and, and you mentioned, like, yeah, there are guys later, um, uh, I think of Cedric Tillman out of Tennessee is one yeah. that's come up a lot as, as one of these, like, 6-3 big possession kind of guys who do stand out as a potential mid-rounder. And that, that fits a lot with what the Vikings need. They need somebody who's going to win those solo matchups in ways that they too often had to rely on TJ Hawkinson, who, as you see, when it's fourth and eight and he needs to chip – and Tough. he doesn't become a primary read when he needs to help you pass. for Theoretically, when it's 4th you're, you're not referring to anything specific, <laughs> theoretically, uh, it leads you to Kurt Warner, breaking down your playoff loss and saying that guy should never be thrown to, Tough. um, so yeah, they need more options to win like that. And, and Adam Thielen showed last year that he's, he's 32. I mean, the gas just wasn't in the tank. I think he was dealing with some injuries too last year. And that's what happens when you're 32 years old. So, yeah, they need to find somebody there. And and I like your point about how maybe this is an offense that can make a number two wide receiver worth that kind of first-round pick. And I think the frequency of passing, certainly, uh, the shadow of Justin Jefferson certainly would help. Um, what Justin Jefferson also does, though, for you is that – I don't think you need a certain prototype. I talk about the size. That would help. But so would the speed, right? Another guy who could catch a go ball. When you have an alpha that can do everything, you can suddenly fit anything under the hood, right? And make it work in terms of the schematics, I would think.
1: And that's actually what Kevin O'Connell was really saying Mm -hmm. in that answer was he was saying, like, it's my job as a coach to take the things a guy can do well. And he does come from a place where they drafted Tutu Atwell. Now that didn't work out, but, (laughs) you know, they did. Like, they didn't. They were not a Against the size element of it so if it is like are the odds of a josh downs working out way better for this team than another team of course and not only that but you're going to have an accurate quarterback assuming kirk is here to get you the ball right away somebody who's in command of the offense that could tell you what route to run if you don't know as a rookie right i mean these are things that are that are uh major compliments to kirk i mean he's Mm -hmm. so accurate and he's so detailed he knows every bit of an offense and Uh, when they've been miking up these XFL players, you see how often the quarterback has to tell people what they're supposed to do on a play. And I think that probably happens a decent amount in the NFL sometimes where there's confusion or noise or whatever. And he's always going to help out a rookie. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think that there's a really good Argument for doing that, but probably just spending 23 and then sitting on your hands till 87 just does not seem like that's something Quasi's going to do.
0: No, that's a good point. They need more picks. They have five of them. Uh, the only way to do it, or the best way to do it, is moving that top pick at 23, and they just need defenders. I mean, this cupboard is so bare that uh, how do you feel about is this roster even worth starting that quarterback clock right now for, or is it worth using this draft to try to? Uh, replenish the defense. Yeah. they have three corners on this roster right now. All of them were acquired in the last 14 months of this new leadership. That's they have nobody the
1: previous regime signed
0: as a corner. Wow under is, contract is keaton
1: barnes still here uh, maybe maybe
0: barnes is still so maybe there's four, four tay gowan
1: are you sleeping on tay <laughs> gowan <laughs> point is the, the they, disrespect
0: they have moved on from everybody that was acquired at corner under the previous regime they could spend all five of their draft picks at corner and i'd be like well i can't argue with that
1: what's trey Roberson up to these, <laughs> these days former indiana quarterback turned cornerback um so i i to your point about trading back though yeah they need to do
0: it and i i just don't know either if it would make sense of swinging at an offensive position when you had the seventh ranked offense and you're returning everybody this year
1: what was the tanker tankersley court quarter Cordray? Cordray, Cordray? yeah Cordray tankersley what an era former dolphins draft pick that I think. was uh okay before <laughs> we call it a day and this is, I think you've brought it. I think you've really brought the intensity. You were, you lived up to the commercial. Oh, I appreciate sure. that. Yeah. Thank you.
0: I'm not much of a hot take artist, but I try to at least drop in some Stefan Diggs tweet level mm-hmm. uh, sayings here or there. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see new beginnings or
1: something, just, <laughs> you know, he'll just tweet like, so dot, dot, dot. And like, yeah, I feel it. I feel it. I did ask him once. What do your tweets mean? And he said, "Which one?" And I was like, I, "All of them. all, like, all what of, are you of them talking <laughs> about which one?" That was before truth, all rumors. So we all laughed about it, and then you know, uh, it was whatever. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I I know that you are a see the matrix with the draft guy, where it's like you see the reality. There's all this mock drafting. There's all these scouts out there. I was reading some report about how this cornerback is a technician with his hips and you're like I don't know if you know that. <laughs> I don't think there's any way you know that, okay? Like I anyway, yep. that's not the point. Yep. Uh but I have to ask. Do you got like do you got like a dude? You got like some guys? You got like your <laughs> hey this is my guy for the Vikings because he's gonna be good.
0: <laughs> um, boy, I gotta say I've only really dug into um the receivers, um just because I am interested to see what the Vikings will want to do there. So, um when you bring up those, I, I brought up Cedric Tillman. Um, there's a Mingo out of Mississippi who is also very interesting. There's always a Mingo. There's a Mingo out of Mississippi that's very interesting for me. There's some it's mid- my album, Mingo out of Mississippi. There's some mid-round guys. Perry out of, uh, is it Wake Forest? A.T. Perry. A.T. Perry is my guy. Yeah, also Wake very, Forest. very intriguing. I've been looking more at these big bigger body guys who would fit ideally and give them more flexibility with Justin Jefferson. Can you have a guy who can come in and play that split-end role in a way that Adam Thielen was not set to? and as a side note, I'm real interested to see how Adam Fitz in Carolina, where Thomas Brown, a former Rams assistant, is now working under. I think is the coordinator to Frank Reich. And that offense is going to be a blend between Rams and Reich. Mm. And Adam Thielen, I don't think, is going to really be much of a split end. So he
1: might have the exact same role in Carolina. Anyway, um, point between Rams and Reich is also my album name. What are we (laughs) doing here?
0: (laughs) Point being in that if the Vikings can bring in somebody who can help them move Justin Jefferson around even more than they already did, play a true split end role, which gives Kirk... Um, that other option on the boundary to throw to. I think there are big guys later in the rounds of this draft class that make sense and and would be intriguing for me. Uh, You apparently like A.T. Perry. I do as well. I thought the guy flashed, and, and from what I can read about him, I think he would seem like a fit for the
1: Vikings. He's a good athlete who caught a lot of footballs. I don't know how much more I can really know. I mean, really, yeah. true, like truly, like I watched some of his games and it, he was always catching the ball. And then he goes to the combine and is like a 95th percentile athlete. And you're like, OK, well, that's the best I can do, mm-hmm. because how someone transfers their skill to college, to the NFL in terms of coverage, the things you got to know, all this yeah. stuff like we have no idea. Uh, but, but before we end, uh, do you want to guess Mingo's first name? Oh, please? my gosh. Um I got it here.
0: It starts with the B, doesn't it? No. Gosh, I can't remember his first name. Um They 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 all run together. What's 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 his first name?
1: It's just Jonathan. It's not exciting at Jonathan? all. Jonathan, that was Mingo. it? Yeah. Yep, that's it. I don't like his NFL future anymore. No, no. If it was if it was Barkevius, we'd be good to go. Yeah, but if it were, him. I would have felt a lot Although better. Well I don't were, think that guy worked out, did he? Barkevius Mingo? Uh,
0: no, I don't think he did. Um, but when I talk about, you know, like I am looking at these kinds of things for the Vikings, then what they'll do is they'll go and draft a Tutu Atwell or a Marvin Mims out of Oklahoma, yeah. which is some short, really fast guy. Yeah. Because watching that offense, I would assume you would agree, they need more speed as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Outside of Justin, so
1: i agree yeah i mean how they approach the size issue will be something really interesting and then maybe we'll look back and say like well kwacy did know that they wanted to go after one of those guys or maybe they won't so we'll find out but uh, i appreciate all of your time here it's always fun when we get together especially in person at the performance center of performance and boy it was a performance in this press conference
0: can't wait to be here three straight nights for uh for draft week only two weeks away That's enough for 14 mock day three.
1: We do at home now. That's right. We do. Yeah. Day three. Day three went from a nightmare of being out here and like getting subs delivered to us in the middle (laughs) of the day to stay alive to like, you could just go for a walk in the middle of the sixth round because they don't have any picks and this team doesn't have a lot of picks. So uh, thanks for your time, Andrew. Always great. Straight laced reporting as always on this podcast. Um, And we will, uh, we'll do it soon. We'll do it again soon.
0: Sounds good. Thanks for having me on.